Our scripture today is taken from Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Bradley. Everyone, welcome to take a seat. Good to see you all on this Memorial Day weekend. Um, if you all don't know me, my name is Juan. I'm one of the four elders here at Church in the Square. Uh, been here since, what, well, the church since 2016, but in the city of Chicago for 13 years. Uh, married to Lindsay and my little baby Blair over there, nine months old, so uh, happy Happy to be with you all, and uh, I know that in Memorial Day weekend, we usually have some people either out of town and people visiting, so be mindful of that, so welcome all if uh, 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 you don't know me, but uh, we've been doing this uh, series the last uh, few weeks. We took a pause from our Roman series to just take some time for the elders, uh, other than our teaching elder Jason, to really have an opportunity to share what's been going on in our lives and in our hearts, and maybe as an opportunity to build you all up, right, and share what we've seen and how the Lord's working in our hearts and share that uh, with you. And so the last couple of weeks, we had another one of our lay elders, uh, Derek, uh, share it with us, and when we say lay, lay elders, is like he says, we don't get paid to do this. <laughs> it's true, we don't. Um, and so he shared uh, the last couple weeks uh, over, I think, two, two really awesome things that impacted my life, right? One was uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24, really looking at the concept of not being able to serve two masters. And uh, this whole thing about it, it's about money, but it's not really about money, and I thought that was, that was awesome, so thanks for sharing that, Derek. And then last week, he, he really, I think, kind of uh, showed us how to walk through a scripture, right? We walked through Psalm 23, and how the Lord's been speaking to him in that way, and so I thought that was cool, man. It was cool to just hear your heart through it all, and just pouring it out out there, and uh, the the, I think the transparency which he shared it uh, was really upbuilding, and so thank you for that. And as I was, as I was preparing the last you know, few weeks in uh, what to share with you all, I'm going to be super honest. I was like, so excited about sharing for this, for this session because I'm like, okay, right? I'm the elder who oversees finance. I'm a CPA. I'm a finance guy. We've been talking this month about, we've been going through the book about, you know, uh, give me what, neither poverty nor, ri nor riches, really focused on Proverbs chapter 7, verse 7 through 9. I'm like, yes, money, money, money. This is what I'm going to talk about. And then the Lord didn't let me talk about it. I, I just, uh, I, I had a, a change of heart. And so as much as I was inclined to talk about money, I will not be talking about money today. Uh, Instead, I'm going to talk about compassion, and uh, in particular, uh, I want to share a story, and this is where, where the Lord really brought me as I was preparing. So I'll turn to my little girl, Blair, right? So if you guys have been walking with us over the last uh, few years, my wife and I have been through this journey of parenthood. I want to look for us to become parents, uh, going through uh, whether we 
would adopt and, and trying to have a baby. And uh, it took several years, but Blair was born August of uh, 2022. And if I start talking too much about Blair, I'm going to start crying, so I'll, I'll hold back a little bit. But um, uh, when Blair was born, uh, she was doing awesome, except for a little thing that developed in her. So she, she developed a, a two, two key things. She had a resistance to an allergy to soy and to dairy. And then she also has having some pretty severe eczema issues. And at first it started with like a few rashes here and there, and you're like, all right, are we being too concerned? Is it a big deal? Uh, you know, we're just being like, you know, first time parents, we don't know any better. But then it was really getting all over her body, and we started taking her to a specialist. And, and I remember, like, it was gradually getting worse and worse, and you were just kind of checking out her stuff. And then there came a point where, like, I was, I was changing her diaper, and I was seeing her body, and her whole body was covered in these red, itchy patches, and she had some stuff on her creases. And she was, Blair was crying, right? She was just crying and crying, and I couldn't do anything about it. And so I thought I was, I thought, okay, well, Lord, you know, t take care of her. This will be fine. Uh, then we, we, we put her down. Then the, the next morning, I usually, like, take care of Blair in the mornings. Um, and so I, I, I brought her down to the room, kind of doing our normal routine in the living room and getting her, her milk warmed up. And we were just listening to some worship music, and I just started just getting overwhelmed, and, you know, tears started rolling down my face, and, and I wasn't sure what emotion I was feeling, right, what was going on. Um, I guess what I can tell you is I think the feeling I felt was a real sense of helplessness, right? I had my little girl who was in pain, and I didn't know what to do about it, and I was... Um, thinking about how much I loved her and kind of questioning whether God felt the same for her or not. And in that moment, I had this really kind of beautiful time with the Lord. It wasn't audible, but it's, it felt like it was audible. And he, he just reminded me that, that he loved Blair much more than I ever could, right? That he was his ultimate, her, her ultimate provider and that everything would be okay. And it's at that time that I really, to be honest with you, absolutely nothing changed in those circumstances, but at the same time, everything changed for me, right? And I think that's when I really sensed uh, the Lord's compassion. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about the Lord's compassion, and we're going to look at it in different ways. And the way that I want to uh, walk through that with you all is to really look and define compassion. We're going to look at a couple of instances in the Old Testament. Um, we're going to look at the compassion of Jesus. And then we're going to ask ourselves as to why is it that we struggle with uh, being a compassionate people, right? And then God's remedy for compassion. So uh, before I begin, uh, let me pray. Uh, Lord, I am uh, so thankful to be here this morning. God, thank you that I, I don't take this lightly, just the, the privilege and opportunity to share with our people, Lord, and to bring your word. Father, I... I'm definitely more of a sheep than a shepherd. Uh, I need your wisdom right now. Father, there's so many thoughts racing in my head and things that I want to share, Lord, but I want to be uh, faithful to your spirit. 
Um, guide me in what I say. Lord, um, I also ask, Lord, that I know that uh, when we think about compassioning years, a lot of emotions can be stirred in our hearts and our minds, Lord. So I pray that whatever it is that you're stirring inside of all of us, Lord, will it be driven by your Holy Spirit, God? And if there's anything, Lord, that is not of you, may that be forgotten, Lord. But if it's anything that you're prompting us to change or to transform or uh, to just encourage us in, Lord, will those things be locked in our minds and in our hearts, Lord, uh, for this day? Um, Lord, I'm so thankful for uh, our brother Jason and his opportunity to be uh, away and uh, uh, having some time uh, of respite, Lord, and rest, and we're excited for that and thankful for that. Uh, Lord, and I also pray for our brothers and sisters that aren't here this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, just a lot of different things going on, so just uh, pray for them. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you guys could turn with me to Exodus uh, chapter 34, verse 6 through 7. And the passage says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So we see here what's central to God is his compassion and his faithfulness. Um, this is actually the most repeated verse in the Bible. It's kind of cross-referenced over 20 times in all of Scripture. Um, and I think stepping back as I'm reading from Exodus is kind of helpful to see how the book is laid out and, and what was going on in this moment, right? So really the book of Exodus is broken down into two movements. Uh, the first movement is God rescuing Israel uh, his people from slavery. And then the second one is God leading them to Mount Sinai for a year. And this is where God is inviting his people to covenant with him. And he's really trying to establish a binding relationship with them. And so in this second movement, it's actually broken down further into uh, four literary units. The first one is the ceremony. This is the part where God is actually covenanting with them and uh, sharing his Ten Commandments, so this is like Exodus 20, what we see up on the wall over there <laughs> every time we're here. It's right there. That's, that's the first part. The second is where he's giving detailed blueprints of what his dwelling place is going to look like. And then the fourth is actually the narrative on building the home, right? So the sanctuary where God wants to dwell with his people. But in between the second and the fourth is this instance. It's this third unit. And it's the story that really shows us God's character in Exodus 34, uh, 6 and 7. So you see Moses is going up the mountain a second time to write this agreement with the Lord. The first set, the tablets were broken. And as he's going up the mountains, uh, actually the people are too busy breaking those first two things. You shall not have other gods before me, and you shall not make idols for yourself, right? You, will, you shall not make an idol for yourself. And as, as this is happening, um, God warned Moses that this betrayal will continue to happen, and he really thinks about eradicating all of humanity. What Moses does is he appeals to God's character, 
And then the question is, is God going to be a God who's going to end this partnership with his people, or is, going to be, or is he going to be the one that remains faithful um, to the promise with Abraham? And it's in this context that God chooses to reveal himself, right? So let's go back to the passage. It says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful, which could also be compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, but, but will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the father and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So the question here is, how does a loyal God deal with the rebellious people, right? I mean, does that sound familiar to y'all? I think that's really the challenge of the whole Bible. That's what it's about. The one thing that this passage does give us, though, is it gives us four core characteristics of God. So we see here that he's a compassionate God, that he's one that's gracious and slow to anger, that he has steadfast love, and that he's faithful. And it also shows us that our God is a God that's both compassionate and he's full of justice. And even as I walk through these examples this morning, I've got to be really careful because every time you see the Lord's compassion, you see his full character on display. It's not just his compassion. He's also including his, his justice. And really what I want to kind of point out about God's characters in general is that he actually, they're, they're asymmetrical. So uh, author and minister Sam Albury put it this way. He said, what is central to God is his compassion and faithfulness. His judgment is real, but it is not foundational. His love and anger are not symmetrical, as God's own words about himself show so clearly. Words so foundational that they resound and echo throughout the rest of the Old Testament. And what we mean by that is if you look back at these verses, you can see that he talks about keeping his steadfast love for thousands of generations. Yet, when he visits the iniquities of the fathers, you see that he keeps that for the third and fourth generation, right? So there's an asymmetry here about God's character. And like I said, today I'm just going to be focusing on compassion. And so the question is, what does compassion mean and what's, what's this word being used for in the Old Testament? In, in Hebrew, the original word is rakum, and that's, there's a noun, verb, and adjective form for it. Uh, but it is actually really closely related to the word uh, Rekem, which that means womb, right? So it's the womb of the father, and in, in like said another way. Um, and so it's really defined by this intense um, emotion that's very deeply moving. And it's not just an emotional word, it's a word that actually requires action. Uh, so this is talking about like your inner self being stirred and uh, making you take action or cause something to happen. And we often see it in Scripture, if you guys read the ESV, like I think most of us do, you, you'll often see it when God is saying like to have pity on or to be merciful. It's that kind of root word. And so let's, let's look at an example of this in Isaiah. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 49, uh, verse 13 through 16.
It's funny, in my notes I have the scripture, but I always want to look it up to see how long it's going to take me so I don't like jump ahead. All right. So it says, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and he will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the sin of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. So you see, in this, in this chapter, these verses, we see the Lord comparing himself. It's the maternal characteristics of the Father, right? This maternal stirring, this action of protection, and frankly, I think we can all relate to that feeling, right? We can all relate to that feeling of compassion. For me, it's when if Blair falls, if she gets scraped, or something happens, right? You're moved to not only feeling pity for her or feeling like a sense of, of loss, but you also want to take her and hold her, right? Uh, you see this often with parents or sometimes even caring for your parents or people in, 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 in physical pain or distraught, maybe friends or family come to mind, but... That's, that's what I'm talking about. So in contrast to the, to the emotion of compassion, there's the emotion of anger. And actually to have uh, compassion means to actually let go of anger. Uh, the other thing that was helpful for me in, in, in really identifying what compassion truly uh, meant and seeing it in Scripture is from different uh, ministries. Uh, one of them, Compassion International. They're a not-for-profit who's focused on uh, releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And the way that they define compassion, they say it's to recognize the suffering of others and then taking action to help. Compassion embodies a tangible expression of love for those who are suffering. So uh, let's look at a couple of examples in Scripture. I think that'll help kind of articulate that even further. So go with me to Ezekiel chapter uh, 34. So it's a couple uh, books after uh, Isaiah. And kind of lay the, the background in this Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, verses 11 through 16. Uh, this is a part of Scripture where the leaders of Israel have taken advantage of the people of God, his flock. And the Lord is speaking against uh, the shepherds in a really just and sternful manner. And this is his response to the sheep who have, been, uh, who have not been taken care of by the, the shepherds, the leaders in the church. Uh, so we'll jump to verse 11. It says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As the shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on, the day, on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountain of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture." And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be the grazing land. There shall, I, sh, there, 
they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture. They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring them back, the strayed, and I will, bl- I will bind them. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. So if you look at these verses, we see a God who is compassionate because he's not only stirred by his people, but he's moved to action, right? There's, there's examples of him going out and seeking his own. He's looking to feed the sheep. He's looking to provide rest for the sheep, and he's looking to bind up the injured. And then we also see the juxtaposition of God's compassion and the justice, right? He says that he's going to call the leaders to... He, he's he's, he's going to bring justice uh, to, to the leaders. And he even talks about the sheep that are mistreating the other sheep, right? He calls them the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will bring justice. So you see, we see God's compassion for his own people, but we also see it for the rest of the world. I think another place where we can see this is in uh, the book of Jonah, the prophet. So let's go to Jonah now. I tell you, we're just going to be jumping around all day. Uh, so let's jump to Jonah chapter 4. Um, and Jonah is in between Ebediah and Micah, so it's in the later part of the Old Testament. And so let's give a little background on Jonah, right? The book of Jonah is about this prophet whom the Lord calls... Uh, to warn a city about its impending doom because of its wickedness. The, the book of Jonah says that the Lord sees the evil of the city, right? And he's about to destroy it, but he wants to show mercy and calls Jonah to prophesy and let him know about it. Uh, so I'm not going to get too much in the details, but Jonah, let's say, is pretty hesitant, doesn't really want to do that, but he ultimately does haphazardly and a little bit reluctantly. And he warns the people. He warns the city about this doom. And of course the people repent. And the Lord turns away and he does not bring, he spares them and he gives them compassion. However, in this section that I'm about to read, Jonah's wrestling with this, right? He's He's actually not really happy about God showing compassion to this people. And as we'll dig in, we'll get an understanding of why that is. So let's go to Jonah chapter 4, and I'll read, I'll read the entire chapter. It says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would uh, become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. 
So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pitied the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city, which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the right hand, who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. Uh, what strikes me about the character of God here is not only his obvious compassion for the city of Nineveh, but also his compassion for Jonah. Right? I mean, I envision Jonah just shaking his fist at God frustrated for people that he frankly had no compassion and didn't feel like God had the right to give him compassion. But what was, the, what was the Lord's response to Jonah? He actually appoints a plant to offer shade and then he kills it. Through the plant, God reveals Jonah's heart. Literally, Jonah showed more compassion for a plant that was less than 24 hours old than for 120,000 people that were made in God's image. I think the beauty of this passage is how it reveals that God's compassion can look very differently in different situations. Because if you think of it, the Lord deliberately grew and eroded a plant, and he actually gave Jonah a taste for real consequence. And that was his probably most compassionate sign for him, right? An invitation to change his heart. Much like in this revelation of the character in Exodus 34, God shows us his compassion by doing what? He attaches to his people, he takes action, and he's quick to offer mercy. So it was really, I mean, God's compassion is revealed uh, throughout the Old Testament. And I just picked a couple of examples uh, I could have picked many more uh, to highlight that, but what I really want to call to attention is that compassion is something that evokes action, and it's a willingness to suffer alongside with. And another way of looking at it is in kind of in the New Testament terms, is in Latin it stands for compati, which that means literally to suffer with. And I think there's not really a better example of God's compassion than his willingness to suffer with us and to become human. In becoming human, Jesus subjected himself to human suffering and emotion. Uh, I was listening to uh, uh, Pastor uh, uh, Tim Keller uh, having a sermon on compassion, and he pointed out that in the New Testament, Jesus weeps 20 times more. In the New Testament, Jesus weeps 20 times to every time that he laughs, Right? So you get a sense of, of the compassion of Jesus and knowing that really he was a man of sorrows. And again, I won't have enough time to go through 
uh, the compassion that Jesus shows in all the New Testament, but I, I think there's a couple of places that I can point us to that really draw a parallel and see compassion in flesh. Uh, the first part is uh, looking back at the Ezekiel 34 passage, right, where we were talking about the Lord really thinking about his sheep and ministering to them. Jesus has a very similar uh, instance when he looks out in, in Matthew chapter 9 verse 36, he, he sees this massive crowd and he has compassion over them. And, and, and the scripture, what's interesting about here is that it really doesn't point to their physical need. God was, even there, Jesus was concerned about their spiritual need. And he says that he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, right? So again, we, we see that kind of playing through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And like God, who, was, who showed compassion on the city of Nineveh, some, a city that looked wicked, Jesus laments over the city of Jerusalem. In Matthew chapter 23, uh, verse 37, uh, you see Jesus uh, crying out. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and yet you are not willing. So we see this sense of uh, the womb-like atmosphere, like how Jesus is willing to take this kind of maternal perspective towards the city in love for them. And then we see Jesus weeping uh, over his friend Lazarus. And it's a really interesting passage there as well because Jesus weeps when Lazarus dies and we know that he knows that he's going to rise him up again. But yet he chooses to suffer along with his friends. Jesus is also the high priest, right? He's able to sympathize with our weakness and yet he's without sin. And really the culmination comes here at the cross where he was crucified. Jesus takes on the grief and pain of humanity, and it's just the ultimate expression of God's compassion and really demonstrate the fullness of God, right? That we see his great compassion juxtaposed with his great justice. And really, I can go on and on probably for 30 minutes talking about the different places in the Old Testament and in the New Testament where we can find an example of God's compassion, but I'm not sure if it would do much more for us all. You see, when I hear, even though I hear it and I believe it, I have to confront myself often with a word like compression, compassion and see how cynical I can become and how quickly I can lack compassion. And depending on the Bible version that you read, the ESV has it that Jesus calls us to be merciful. The NIV says... Uh, Jesus asked us to be compassionate, just as his father is compassionate. It is very evident that the Lord, that Jesus expects his followers to be compassionate. But I live in a world that is not very compassionate. I don't know about you guys. And so much of the focus of this world is looking on this upward trajectory. I think Jason always uses this imagery of saying up and to the right where um, there's this focus of ambition and getting to the top. And it was funny because as I was doing some of the research, there's like so many different sources that point us the other way, right? So there's a Harvard Business uh, Review article that correlates power with less empathy. So the more powerful you become, 
the less empathetic. So in, in other words, right, many of us are on career paths that by design make us less compassionate people. And in a broad sense, it's a trajectory of more isolation and separation from community, a lack of being with others. And it's not surprising that there was another study, a 2021 study by a Penn State University that found that when given the option, people choose to avoid feeling compassion for others and reported doing so because it was mentally draining. It was linked to their choices. And then there's a, a Forbes article that I looked up that said that there's really, in our generation, there's social media burnout. With all the misinformation on social media, people are just tired of being empathetic towards others. And so what does that mean? I think, I think what it means for us is that we have to face the facts that empathy is hard because it requires risks and vulnerability. Let's look at our friend Jonah, right? Part of the reason that he was the way he was was because he was fearful about the implication of including a different race of people with a family of God. Fear was driving out his empathy. And so a question that I want to ask you guys is, what fear is keeping you from showing compassion to others? And frankly, on our own, if I could be super frank with you all, I don't think you and I can really consistently show compassion uh, at least the one that Jesus is asking us to offer. That really could only be done with the Holy Spirit. And so let's look at a few passages here about that. Let's go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, uh, verses 15 through 17. It says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. And then a little bit further, in John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you, to your remembrance, all that I have said to you. And we look a little further in Romans. Romans 8, verse 2. Paul talked about this, and I don't know, we might have gone through this before, since we did go through Romans, right, for two years. Um, look, at, look, look at Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 2 with me. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. 
For to set their minds on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And frankly, friends, those, those verses give me a lot of hope because I'm not really asked to invent compassion. I'm actually asked by the Lord to rely on His Spirit, and it's a helper who dwells within me who actually leads me to become a compassionate person, right? We know that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He teaches us all things and reminds us of, a, of what Christ has taught us. The Spirit of God sets me free in Christ and free from law, the law of sin and death. He gives me life and peace, and I can send my mind on Him. And really, it is the Spirit of God that prompts us all towards compassion. What the Spirit of God is able to do is He's able to soften our cynical heart. And if I could be honest with you, it softens my cynical heart that instead of focusing on giving money and writing another check, it's actually about going to the person that is suffering and being with them. And it was interesting, even as I was thinking about um, what I shared to you all with my story with Blair, God brought that thing full circle with me. Because if I'm honest with you guys, I was very similar to Jonah. As much as I wanted to talk about how much I love my daughter and I felt compassion for her, at the same time, I was accusing God of not being faithful. I was asking him if he really knew and if he really cared. And I wasn't sure if he was going to come through. And the Lord, instead of coming with reprimand, came in a sweet, sweet spirit and reminded me of who he was and forgave my sinful heart. See, that day nothing changed and everything changed because I sensed the Spirit's compassion. So how about you, friend, brother, sister? Do you long to be a person of compassion? Trust and receive the compassion of Jesus and the fellowship of His Spirit so that we can show compassion to others. Let's pray. Father, thank you, uh, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, God, even in, even in your compassion, how through your spirit, Lord, you choose to withhold things from us when we're not ready to receive them. And then you're able to disclose that to us so that we're able to come uh, with humility and be forgiven. God, I'm so thankful that I don't have to worry about inventing this godly compassion that can only come through the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that as my brothers and sisters have thought about this or think about this further this week, Lord, that you bring to mind, Lord, opportunities, ways that they can be compassionate to a watchful world, Lord. I would love for this body, Lord, to be known as a people that, yeah, maybe they think we're a little crazy, they don't agree with our views, but when they look at us, they see a, a bunch of people who care for each other, that are able to come along and suffer with, and also look at their neighbors and come along and hear their stories and sit down over a meal or a coffee or drink and share in their suffering for them, knowing that they're recipients 
of your compassion. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen.